Well, good morning. It is great to be here with you this morning. Uh, my name's Ben, if I haven't met you. Uh, if I have met you, my name's still Ben, uh, but I'm the youth minister here uh, at St. Andrews. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm so pleased to be here with you this morning. Um, we, we're in our second week of our current series uh, at the moment, uh, thinking about the commitment we made at the beginning of the year to be growing ourselves through reading God's word and through prayer. Uh, and now last week, Andrew spoke to us uh, from Psalm 119 about loving God's word, uh, what we uh, need to be able to grow, to love listening to God's voice uh, and to obey it as well. Uh, now this week, we're going to be continuing to think about God's word, the Bible, uh, and it would be brilliant uh, as we do to have your Bible open with you uh, this morning. Uh, we've come to a place that is likely quite familiar to you as we think about reading uh, the Bible and think about what the Bible is, uh, and that's 2 Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 to 17 says this. It says, uh, How from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, this is where we're going to be camping uh, for most of the sermon today, uh, thinking about what these verses are saying uh, and what the implications are for our lives. Uh, but before we do uh, get into the passage, uh, I'm going to pray because uh, this is God's word and we need God's help to understand it. So please do join me uh, as I pray. Yeah. Father, uh, we do thank you so much uh, for your word and we pray that as we listen to it this morning, uh, that we would learn from it, uh, that we would learn about it and that you would teach us how to live rightly with you. Amen. Uh, so as we uh, look at these, uh, these verses today uh, in our passage from 2 Timothy, uh, we're going to be thinking about this question. Why should I read the Bible? And now you may have all sorts of answers to that question. Uh, it may be that you know that other Christians do it, other Christians read the Bible, so you feel that you should as well, just to kind of go along with what others are doing. Uh, it may be that you were uh, raised listening to Colin Buchanan, as we heard a bit of his song uh, in the uh, family spot before, uh, and so you know that the best book to read is the Bible. Uh, you may answer that actually, you think you're pretty all right not reading the Bible yourself. You, you get enough from the sermon on Sundays. Uh, whatever your answer is, this morning we're going to see what the Bible has to say for itself. Uh, before we do camp in these uh, three verses at the end of chapter three, though, uh, I want to take a moment to consider the context in which they're written. Uh, these verses don't just hang kind of unsupported by themselves. Uh, they're written in the context of a letter, Paul's second letter to Timothy. And uh, now, to Timothy is a fantastic letter. I absolutely love it uh, because it's the last letter that Paul will ever write. Uh, and he knows it. Uh, in chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says this. He says, uh, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. Paul knows that he is close to death. He knows he's about to die. 
Uh, tradition has it that the brutal Roman Emperor Nero had Paul beheaded shortly after this letter, letter was written. Uh, in fact, it's quite possible that Paul wrote this letter, uh, the letter of 2 Timothy, uh, merely weeks or even days before he died. So, facing the certainty of his imminent death, Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, a man who Paul has described in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2 as his dear son, uh, or in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, as his true son in the faith. Uh, so you see, when we read 2 Timothy, uh, what we're reading are the last words of a father to his son. And what are Paul's last words to his dear son, Timothy? Uh, what is most important in these final days of Paul's life that he has to tell Timothy? Well, it's summed up in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Uh, Paul says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Preach the word about Jesus. Uh, declare the truth of the gospel. Paul has warned Timothy throughout this book about people who will make up lies about the Lord Jesus, uh, who will preach false, fake gospels. Uh, we see some of them in uh, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Uh, teachers who will say whatever people's itching ears want to hear. Uh, in other translations, uh, verse 3 describes people as wanting to have their ears tickled. Uh, and these teachers are only too happy to oblige. But Timothy is to be strong in the truth. Uh, he's encouraged to be like Paul, to fight the good fight, to finish the race, to keep the faith. Uh, unlike the evil men who spout lies about Jesus, Timothy is to continue in the truth. How? Well, it's by his knowledge of the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. Uh, and so now we come to verses 15 to 17 that will be camped in for the rest of our time this morning. Uh, and the question is, why should I read the Bible? Uh, well, uh, let's look at what the Bible is. The Bible is God's Word. You know, often when we're describing the Bible and we say that it's God's Word, we say that the Bible is inspired by God. But, but that's not entirely accurate. You see, a painter may well be inspired by nature. He may go and paint the Blue Mountains, say. And when he shows his painting, he'll say, this is the Blue Mountains. But it's not. Not really. It's a picture of the Blue Mountains. It may be a brilliant painting, a fantastic picture, but it isn't the real thing. God's Word is the real thing, though. Uh, the Bible isn't merely inspired by God. Uh, verse 16 says that it is expired by God. Uh, it's breathed out by Him. Uh, the words in this book are not words inspired by God. They are God's words breathed out of his mouth. The words of God direct and unadulterated. So, this is God's word, and that should actually make us stop and think for a moment. What are God's words like? Where do we see what God's unadulterated word does? 
Uh, You know, we see the power of God's words at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter one. Uh, Here's what it says. It says, there was no universe. Uh, There was no earth or sun or stars, no no matter or atoms in existence. Uh, All that you see around you in the world, it did not exist. And then God spoke words and the universe came into existence. Uh, Everything that you can see uh, or touch or smell or hear, every star, flower, insect, mountain, all of it exists because God said. Uh, And not only that, but Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that the world only continues to exist because it is sustained by God's powerful word. Uh, God's word created the whole world and continues to sustain it. The words in this book, the Bible, are the most powerful force in the entire universe. And we have the privilege to hear them, uh, to read them, access whenever we like. How incredible is that? God's word is so powerful, it creates and sustains the universe itself. And so we really shouldn't be surprised when we're told in verse 15 that it brings salvation. The word that created the universe is also the word that brings sinners dead in sin to life in Jesus. That's what we heard in our first Bible reading today in Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel there was prophesying about the salvation that Jesus would bring. As Ezekiel speaks God's word to this pile of dried bones on the ground, the bones come back together. They form bodies and God's spirit breathes life into them. This is a picture of what it looks like spiritually when a sinner hears the gospel of truth and is saved from death to eternal life. All scripture is God's word. It it brings dead sinners to life. It brings salvation through giving us faith in the Lord Jesus as the Holy Spirit applies this word to our hearts. Uh, But it doesn't stop there. Uh, God's word is not just powerful to move you from death to life. Uh, It's also powerful to equip you for a life lived with Jesus. A life which can say in its last days on this earth that it has fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. You see it there in verse 17. It says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. What are these good works? Well, we're actually told in Ephesians 2 verse 10. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So you see, uh, Ephesians 2 says, Good works are what we are saved to do. Uh, They're the answer to the question that every Christian asks when first they come to trust in the Lord Jesus. The question, what do I do with my life now that I have been saved? Good works is the answer. Uh, Paul puts it another way in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1. He he says it's it's offering our bodies as living sacrifices to God. Uh, Every action, every thought, every moment of every day lived for God's pleasure and glory. 
How can we live this life, a life that glorifies God, a life full of good works, pleasing to Him? It is through His Word, the Bible. The Bible contains all that we need to live right lives before God. It completely equips us to live this life. And it does this, as Scripture thoroughly equips us uh, through those four activities described in verse 16. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Uh, now, you could be forgiven for thinking uh, that these four words are actually four different words describing the exact same activity. They, they seem quite similar, uh, but Actually, what they describe are the positive and negative aspects of the transformation of our thoughts and our lives. And so let's start with our thoughts. God's word transforms our minds by teaching us the truth and rebuking, that is confronting and denouncing, our false and sinful thoughts. The Bible is where we find the truth about who God is, uh, what He's like, what He does. Uh, the Bible is where we find the truth about who we are as human beings, uh, what we're like, what we do. Uh, the Bible teaches us how we ought to live in relationship with God. Uh, and as we learn the truth about God and ourselves, as we learn to live rightly in relationship with God, this word also rebukes our sinful and false thoughts. As we learn of God's sovereign power, this word rebukes our thoughts of self-rule, and that we can live our lives our own way without reference to God. As we learn of the depth of our sin, this word rebukes our haughty pride that looks down on others as less than us. Why should I read the Bible? Why do I need to have God's word transforming my mind each day? It is to be taught and rebuked because naturally, I don't believe the right thing. Naturally, my sinful mind desires to hear only those things that will tickle my ears. We have to know our Bibles well. And we have to let God's word transform our thoughts every day because if we don't, will be sucked in by ear-tickling lies. Uh, in John chapter 8, Jesus describes Satan as the father of lies. Uh, he's an expert at falsehood, at, at twisting God's word. He always has been. Uh, in the Garden of Eden, Satan asked, did God really say that? And Eve believed the lie. In the desert, in Matthew chapter 4, Satan quotes the Bible itself to try to get Jesus to sin. And so, uh, through these false teachers in verse 3 that we hear about, Satan continues to twist God's word to turn people away from the truth. Uh, you know, it was true when Timothy was alive, and it remains true now. Uh, recently, uh, I saw a meme that I think uh, captures this idea perfectly. Uh, it, it's a brilliant meme. I'll just, I'll just let you admire that for a moment. Fantastic. I absolutely love it. Um, you see, this picks up that a lot of the ear-tickling lies that uh, people preach now, a lot of those falsehoods about Jesus, they're actually exactly the same as the ones that were being taught when Timothy was around as well. There's, there's no new ones they're very, very similar, often the exact same lies, just repackaged. 
here's one example of ear tickling. Uh, the 2011 book Love Wins, written by Rob Bell. Uh, now, this book was a New York Times bestseller, and it led to its author being named in Time magazine's top 100 most influential people in 2011. Why was this book about theology so popular? Well, it said that ultimately, every single person who ever has or ever will live is going to heaven. Uh, there'll be no real judgment of sin. Ear-tickling lies that turn people away from the truth. The truth that only through faith in Jesus can a person inherit eternal life. Uh, we need to listen to God's voice every day by reading the Bible. Uh, we need to allow God's word to transform our minds or we will too easily be drawn after ear-tickling lies. What about our lives? Uh, well, God's word transforms our actions and our decisions as well as our thoughts, uh, training us in righteousness and correcting us in our sin. How does God's word transform the way we live our lives? Uh, well, it's not just through reading his commandments for how to live and kind of building up a list in our minds to check through each time we come to a decision or a new situation. No, no, no. It's actually through changing our hearts. Uh, here's what Thomas Cranmer, the great English reformer and the architect of the Anglican church to which we belong, says of our hearts. Uh, he says, what the heart loves, the will chooses and the mind justifies. What does this mean? It means our actions, our decisions, are not actually directed by our minds most of the time, but rather by what our hearts desire. And so as we read God's word, as we're faced by his incredible love in the Lord Jesus, the depths of the undeserved grace and mercy that he has lavished on us, our hearts are changed as we read God's word, our love for God and our desire to please him grow, transforming the way we live, fixing our eyes on Jesus at every moment of every day. Uh, not only that, uh, as God's word changes our hearts, it also teaches us what it looks like to love God in every situation. It trains us to walk rightly with God, whatever may come. As we draw toward the close, I want to ask this question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the Bible contains everything we need to walk rightly before God? Because in my experience of my own life and seeing how other Christians make life decisions, I don't think we do believe this in practice. Hey, if we truly believe that God's word was sufficient for every situation, every decision that we could ever face in life, uh, then we'd be pouring over God's word every time a big decision showed up, uh, having our attitudes shaped by it so that we make decisions that are God-honoring. Uh, even though there might not be a specific command about what university degree to do, or what job to apply for, uh, which ministry at church you'll give your time to, uh, we'd still be trying to make a decision based on what we know of God from his word. But so often we don't live our lives like this. Uh, in the words of uh, Martin Isles in a recent sermon, uh, we can live our lives saying, uh, well, I am serving God and because I feel like I want to do X, 
that must be God's will, and I prayed about it, so it's fine. In other words, you're doing what you want to do. It's almost like when we're making these decisions, uh, we, we shift in our minds and begin to believe that the main way God communicates is by sitting up in heaven, zapping us with vibes. You know, kind of, oh, yeah, Ben, I like that decision, zapping you with some good vibes now. Oh, no, I'm not, not fan of that decision, zap with some bad vibes, some bad feels. God doesn't communicate through good feels. He speaks to us by his word. Here is God's promise. If we are reading his word, if we are listening to his voice, letting it transform our hearts and our minds, then we will be completely equipped for whatever God has in store for us in our lives. So please, get into your Bible. Listen to God's voice this week. You could sign up for our daily Bible readings at St. Andrews, which get emailed out each morning. Uh, You you could organize a group chat to read the Bible with friends. Uh, I've got a WhatsApp chat with a group of uh, some of the year 10 boys who I mentor in kids' church leading. Uh, And it's a fantastic way to engage with God's word, uh, to share our thoughts on the passages that we're reading together. Um, Carve out a spot in your day to sit down with a coffee or, or a tea or a hot water, whatever your drink is, and listen to God. All scripture is God's word, the same powerful word that brought the universe into being and brings the dead to life. It is powerful to transform our minds and our actions so that we are completely equipped to live rightly with our God and Savior. Well, please do pray with me. Father God, we thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you that your word is powerful to bring life from death. Father, please help us to listen to your voice each day, to long to hear your voice. And as we do, we pray that you would transform our minds and our lives, that we may live pleasing you and giving all glory and honor to your son, the Lord Jesus. It is in his name we pray. Amen.